0: Chapter 33. When Deli wasn't working on the hide oasis, she practiced asking questions. She discovered the start big to get small strategy. Ma, can I have 10 bucks? Was the too big beginning. No, Clarice answered. Can I have five? No. Then she got to where she wanted to be. Ma, can I please have a dollar to go to the store? By then a dollar seemed like a deal to Clarice. All right, she agreed deli invented the wear them down with questions technique dallas can i have some of that candy bar she pointed at the one he was unwrapping no he told her instead of fighting for it she asked don't you want to give me some he didn't you sure she stared at him big-eyed like a begging dog please that broke him Here, he sighed and gave her half. Thanks, she said, and they ate side by side. The questions worked with Galveston, too. Deli had been sweating all morning, hauling stuff for the hide oasis. At lunch, when Clarice got up to make some more grilled cheese, Galveston hissed, You smell like pig perfume. She waved her hand in front of her face, like she couldn't stand the stench. But instead of whomping her, Deli whacked her with a question. Gal, she whispered, how do you like a dead squirrel under your pillow? That silenced her. Ha! Delly smirked. By Sunday evening, though, Delly's brain was spent from coming up with all those questions. So when Galveston embarked, Delly, these dishes are still dirty. Do them again. She didn't have anything left to ask her. She tried counting. One, two. Gal one it quick. "'I said, do them again. "'Now,' she commanded, "'and Deli was a Galveston-seeking missile, "'ready to blast off and blow. "'Just before she did, though, "'she spotted Clarice through the window. "'Give me something,' she begged her brain "'before I mess up. "'As Gal came at her, hollering, "'Did you hear me? I said!' Delly's brain spit out the only question it had left. "'Galveston shouted, "'Do you hate me?' "'Galveston's eyes flashed. "'Her lips curled in an awful grin. "'Yes!' she yelled. The yes hit Delly hard. It knocked the wind out of her. Because when Delly didn't like Gal much, she didn't hate her. Delly loved Galveston like liver and onions on Tuesdays. It was always bad, but it was part of being a Pattinson, and she loved that a lot. She took little breaths because the hate hurt too much. But Gal wasn't finished. She planted herself in front of her. Delly flinched like a dog that had been kicked but couldn't get away gal squinted her eyes i she growled you she grumbled finally she muttered i don't hate you for real Delly rasp gal let out a breath and Delly could feel the heat of it sometimes i hate what you do she mumbled that hit Delly, but not so hard sometimes she hated what gal did too galveston kept going you're always getting into trouble you're always making ma upset and getting dad mad it's always about you and your trouble and i hate it it was the truth behind every mean thing she'd said. There was a big quiet between them. Then Deli whispered, "'Sometimes I hate what I do, too, Gal.' "'Then why don't you stop?' she asked. "'I'm really trying,' Deli told her. Galveston thought about that. "'I know,' she nodded. "'Gal, will you?' Delly started, but she couldn't finish. She couldn't ask her sister to quit tormenting her, to act like she loved her just a little. The no would hurt too much.' gal hurt her anyway. Okay, she said. She looked at Deli, and her eyes had something like love in them. Liver and onions love. Okay, Deli breathed, because liver and onions was never going to taste good, but she wouldn't give it up for anything. Chapter 34 Sunday, Brud Kinney was, ab- was up with the birds. He rode down the river road, listening for the sounds of a boy and a ball. When he heard the thump, 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 his legs pedaled like they were nuclear power. He dropped his bike in the ditch and ran to the drive. The boy heard him. He stopped and held the ball to himself. Brud had brought a small pad and pen at the IGA. He took them out of his pocket. Want to play, he wrote. The boy got his pen and pad. H-O-R-S-E, horse. He, an- he answered, no touch. How about monkey? Brad's paper asked. Now Brad Kenny was no fool. He'd made monkey up so he could play one letter longer. The boy looked at Brad. There was something different in his eyes, like a laugh. He walked away dribbling the ball. Brad didn't know what that meant. The boy stopped where the foul line would be. He raised his arms and sent the ball through the air. It was beautiful. It was a basket. He stood to the side of the drive. He was waiting for Brud. Brud was so happy his legs wanted to jump and his mouth wanted to whoop 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 just shoot the ball his head said. So he went to the spot but Brud had too much happiness in him. He was wild with it. His shot went up up into the sky like a satellite. It landed on the garage roof and bounced into the woods. Bud fetched the ball. Then he ran behind the garage to unleash some of the happiness. He jumped ten times. He shouted, Woo-wee! into his hands. That'll do, his head decided. His feet were still bouncing, though, as he walked back to the drive. He passed the ball to the boy. Ferris Boyd shot from the same spot and sank it. Fred tried again. The ball thunked against the backboard and clanged through the hoop. Yes, he whispered, and his feet did a little dance. This time, his head didn't try to stop it. It was longer till Ferris Boyd finished him off. Not just because it was M-O-N-K-E-Y. But because bread was better. Still, that basketball loving bread wanted more. As soon as the game was over, he sprinted to the boy. He stuck his pad in front of him. Again, it read, The boy stopped at the stoop. He looked at the note, then at bread. It was a while waiting. Bread didn't mind. He'd wait forever if it meant more basketball. Finally, Ferris Boyd turned to the drive. Brud knew what that meant now. He was too happy again. He bolted behind the garage. Yahoo! He hollered into his hands. When he came back, his smile was so big the two teeth were beaming. Ferris Boyd had to squint to see him. Quit that, his head said, but Brud couldn't stop. After he got M-O-N-K-E-Y, Brud raced to the stoop to try for one more game. Just like before, though, Ferris Boyd had vanished. There was nothing but birds and that black cat around. That was all right. Brud had had all morning playing ball with the boy. He waved once at the door. See you next Sunday. He rode into town, grinning. The two teeth gleamed, almost blinding anybody who looked at him. Chapter 35 Monday morning, Deli packed two extra sandwiches. She put the hammer and nails in her bag, and she carried a couple of boards. Those for your project, Arby asked? Yep. Hmm, he said. At school, Ferris Boyd still kept to herself, and Deli didn't push it. She could take being alone and counting at school if she had her friend and the hide-oasis after. Plus, Deli was busy. She did her work. She wrote lists of supplies they need for their place. She drew diagrams of it all fixed up. She counted when other kids were around, but now the numbers danced to a tune. I got a friend in a hideaway oasis, too. After school, I'm going there, so yah-ah-hoo. At recess, she went to Alaska. She brought paper and a pencil. I'll design a Delivator, she decided. It had been a while since Deli and Danny Novello had gone at it. Too long for Novello. He missed her torturous touch. He circled Alaska Stinky, he sneered, I could smell your stink from the steps. She set the paper down and started counting. One, two, three. But novella would have her. I'm gonna build you an igloo. I'll call it Smelly's Alaskan Stinkhouse, he shouted. Even with the counting, Deli's fingers curled into fists. She glanced at the Vader drawing. All the plans would be finished with one fight. She searched the playground for something to save her. Miss Niederbaum was nowhere, but there was Ferris Boyd. Delly leaped off Alaska. She raced toward the girl who'd shown her a world without trouble, and he followed, like a giant gnat buzzing after her. When they were ten feet away, Ferris Boyd glanced up and saw them hurtling toward her. Her arms flew in front of her. Stop, they said. So Deli did. She flung herself on the ground beside her. Help, she begged. Ferris Boyd's arms dropped, and she stared at Deli. She was telling her something without words. Deli couldn't catch it, though, with him screaming, "'They got a chair for you in detention. It's called Stinky Dinky Seat!' She threw her hands over her ears and closed her eyes. She had one second till she pounded him into tomorrow. Then she heard it under all the noise. She felt it pinching in her pocket. She jumped to her feet and faced him. "'Novello!' she hollered. "'Do you want me to hit you?' "'He was so surprised by the question, he could only tell the truth. "'Yes, he howled. Hit me!' "'Then he remembered his meanness. "'I'd like to see you try, pipsqueak,' he sneered. "'But it was too late now, Delly knew. "'He wanted her to pummel him. "'No,' she told him. "'No!' he shrieked. "'You afraid, smelly, because you know you can't do it. "'You can't touch me!' Delly wasn't afraid, though. She was free. She walked back to Alaska. He trailed her, taunting. Try it. Come on, smelly. There was more yelling then from Miss Niederbaum. Novello, to the steps. she commanded. Delly sat on Alaska, smiling. Not because Novello was imprisoned, although that was nice. Because for once, she was free of the fight. All afternoon, she deliberated at her desk, if she, if the questions could keep her from pounding Novello, maybe she didn't need the numbers at all. She banished them to the back of her head. In their place, she had a song. I don't need counting, I got questions instead, and I don't fight, yep, I'm doing all right. After school, Deli ran to Ferris Boy. Hey, she said softly and fell in beside her. Like they'd been friends forever. She waited till they were at the bridge to ask Ferris Boyd, did you see? I didn't fight. Then she told her without saying a word, I heard you. Ferris Boyd stopped and turned to Delly. Her eyes were still sad, but there was something else in them. Something like a smile. It was only a second. Her head went down again and she was shuffling along the road. It was all Delly needed. Ferris Boyd had heard her too. All right then, she grinned. Chapter 36. At the old Hennepin place, Deli was still telling trouble tales. Every afternoon, she'd take her spot on the stoop while Ferris Boyd got the bull and the ball, and that ball-gram cat came running. Hey, Ferris Boyd, she'd ask, how about we skip basketball and go straight to the Hide oasis? But Ferris Boyd wouldn't hear it. She'd go to the drive and start making magic with that ball. Okay, Deli'd say, as if she'd warned her. "Trouble Tale 22, the no cuss Dictionary," or trouble Tale 36, the St. Eunice's spitting contest. And her friend would keep playing, as if Deli could say, I got three heads and a horn growing out of my back end, and it wouldn't change anything. Later on, they'd head to the hide-oasis. Ferris Boyd would settle into her corner with her book and the cat curled beside her. Deli'd bring out the food she'd brought to fatten up her pale any friend. She set two sandwiches between them. Ma says, I gotta eat more, so I'll grow, she told her, which was sort of the truth. She'd eaten half of one and groaned, I can't fit another bite. Ferris Boyd, would you eat it, or I'll get in trouble. The girl would stare at the food, then at Delly. Please, she'd beg, and push it toward her. Now I got to get to work. While Delly hammered, she'd glance over, and Ferris Boyd would be eating behind her hands. Alright then, she'd whisper, the first week, Delly fixed the rails around the hide oasis so no people fall out, she told the cat, and it flicked its tail at her. She nailed the piece of metal on top of two branches, and Ferris Boyd had a roof. Now, you won't get wet, she said. She put the cooler in a corner. She brought a box with a lock and a blanket. Oof, she grunted as she hoisted them up the tree. When she was finished, Deli walked slowly around the place. She touched the rails, the roof, the bark, and the branches. She sat in the corner across from her friend. What do you think, Ferris Boyd? She asked softly. The girl gazed at all Deli had done, and her eyes were not sad. They were smiling. Deli leaned back against the rail. All right, then, she rasped. The cat walked over to her. It turned in a circle and lay down with its soft back against her leg, like she belonged. And Deli Pattinson, finally peaceful, fell asleep. She woke to the cat's tail, whapping her. Huh? She yawned. She heard the whistle from the other world. Chisel, she said, and crawled to the ladder. See you Monday, Ferris Boyd, she said. She didn't ask, because now she knew. She belonged there, too, and I'll see you, she told the cat. The cat turned away like it didn't care, but its tail flicked twice at her. Then she was running through the woods, down the road, and into town, smiling so the wind whistled through her teeth. Chapter 37 Sunday morning, Brad Kinney's pad was already open as he walked down the drive. He held it up to the boy. Giraffe, it read... No touch. Ferris boy nodded. Brud's happiness ran him behind the garage. Yes! He hollered into his hands. His fist pumped the air five times before he could begin. And Ferris Boyd whooped And Ferris Boyd whooped him. As soon as he got the E, Brud sprinted toward the boy, trying to get another game before he vanished. But the boy wasn't running. He was standing in the drive with his pad flipped open. Again, it read... Brud's teeth flashed bright white. After After he got trounced, Brud turned to the house, expecting to see the door slamming for his goodbye. Instead, Ferris Boyd was sitting on the stoop, so Brud walked over. He pointed at an empty spot. The boy nodded. Brud sat down beside him. Brud was used to sitting with someone and not talking. He wasn't used to the other person not talking, too. He liked it a lot because people were always talking at him, like it was nothing, and wanting him to talk back. But it wasn't nothing to Brad. It was hard, and he hated it. He hated sounding wrong and feeling stupid. That never happened with Ferris Boyd. They sat like that for a long time. In the quiet, Brad could hear the birds. He could see them, too, swooping around the stoop. That's a lot of birds, he thought, and one flew straight at him. (laughs) Ha, <laughs> hey, he hollered and ducked. He glanced over at the boy. The bird was perched on Ferris Boyd's shoulder, like it lived there. Whoa, Brad breathed. Ferris Boyd and the bird were staring at each other. Neither one of them made a sound, but Brad could feel it. Those two were telling each other things. What, what, what? The, he whispered. The bird gazed at Bread and started chirping. It was telling him something, too. Bread heard it in his head. My friend, it said. Bread looked at the boy. Mine, too, he thought. Ferris boy turned to him, as if he'd talked. The blue eyes were surprised, then settled into softness. Mine, too, Ferris boy told him, without saying a word. The bird flew off, but those two stayed, sitting in the warmth of the day and all the things they didn't have to say. Chapter 38 Arby Pattinson had had enough. He walked home every day with Cletus. He'd watch Deli stash things away, then haul them to school. He'd seen her be happy without him. He'd given her all kinds of chances to come clean. When's your project going to be done, he asked. For the 122nd time, R.B., she hollered. I don't know. But mostly, he missed her. He wanted her back. Monday morning, before they left the house, R.B. told Deli, you go ahead, I'll catch up. Then he smiled with just his lips, no teeth showing, which was wrong. Deli was too busy thinking about the hide oasis to notice. She took off. He caught her at the corner. He didn't speak all the way to school. At his classroom door, she started to say, RB, you better keep walking with C, but he cut her off. I know, walk with Cletus, you got your project. That struck Deli as strange, but not enough to stop her. See ya, she said. Yes, you will, he smirked. At three o'clock, R.B. ran to Delly's class. He hid beside the garbage can in the hall. He waited till Delly passed him, then fell in silently behind her. He followed the copper curls as they bounced to the back door. Outside, he saw her sprint toward that pale, skinny girl. He watched them go on together. He could see Delly's arms waving. He could tell she was having a good time with somebody else. You, he whispered to her so far away, you got a friend. He'd never been so lonely. Then R.B. told them, Across the playground, over the bridge to the river road, those two were moving so fast they didn't notice the tiny boy tearing after them. Delly was telling how Novello had tried to trap her again. He was dogging me, Ferris Boyd, calling me little Delly with the big smelly. So I asked him, "Do you want Miss Niederbaum to send you to the steps?" Miss need a brain, he says. She'd have to grow one first. And there's Miss Niederbaum right behind him. Delly was laughing so hard, she had to quit walking. For one second, she was standing in the road. The next second, she was flying. Arby built up so much speed, chasing those two, he couldn't stop himself. He plowed into her. The Pattinsons bounced off each other like rubber balls. Arby landed on his behind. Deli ate dirt. What the glove? she muttered. She flipped over to see what had slammed her. "'What the glob! she hollered at him. Arby was stunned, but not sorry. "'What the glub!' he shouted. "'What the glub, you!' They came at each other, yelling so loud their lungs hurt. "'You're supposed to be with Cletus, and you said you had a project!' Still, Delly heard it, a scream without a sound. She turned, and there was Ferris Boyd, eye-bugging and ready to bolt. "'Stop!' Delly told Arby. He followed her gaze to the scared girl and was quiet. Deli only had a moment. Ferris Boyd, she said gently, This is my brother, R.B. The girl's eyes were wild, but she stayed. Sometimes we get mad, Deli explained. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, yes, it does. Arby wanted to wail. It means you lied and left me, but he didn't because of the girl. We hardly ever fight, she went on. I, Deli, didn't want to say it, but she would for her friend. I love him. Deli put her arm around his shoulders, and now Arby's eyes were bugging. We're sorry, she said. Ferris Boyd looked from one Pattinson to the other. They had the same skin and smallness. There was a softness between them. She relaxed a little, and with Delly's arm around him, the anger ebbed out of R.B., till she said, R.B. is going home now, so we can get to our project. I am not going home, he roared. Delly glanced at Ferris Boyd. She was getting skittish again. Oh, Grandma, at R.B., she glared at him. What do you want? I just want, he started, but it was too hard to say. Because under all the angry, he just wanted her. He turned to Ferris Boyd. I want to come with you, he whispered. And his eyes was all the sadness of knowing that even if Delly could be without him, he couldn't be without her. Ferris Boyd saw it. Delly did too. But she knew two Pattinsons would be too much for her friend. So she said, Harvey, I mean, you can't. She doesn't like people being close and R.B. couldn't hear her. He and Ferris Boyd were staring at each other, having one of those silent conversations. Then he asked out loud, can I come with you? Ferris Boyd looked deep into him. She nodded once and started walking again. Huh? Deli about dropped over. She said, all right, R.B. cheered and went to follow her. Hold it, Deli grabbed him. You got to know the rules. She wasn't going to let him wreck it. Okay, he smiled. First, she doesn't talk. Hmm, he said, because Ferris Boyd had already told him something. And no touching. Arby looked at Delly as if she were teasing. You can't touch her. She goes wild. Okay, he agreed. And what I say goes. He pursed his lips like that was too sour to swallow. What I say goes, she warned. And Ferris Boyd, he replied, she doesn't talk, she reminded him. Yes, she does, just not like you. Delly couldn't argue with that. All right, then, she said, and they ran to catch up with the girl. Chapter 39 at the old hennepin place, Deli sat on the stoop. She pointed to the spot beside her. Sit here, she told R.B. So he did. Ferris Boyd got the bull and her ball, and the cat came running. At the steps, it stopped and sniffed the air around R.B. That's the ball, Graham Cat, Deli introduced it. Meow, the cat cried. R.B. smiled. Hello, meow, I'm R.B. The cat flicked its tail twice and went to the bowl. Ferris Boyd was dribbling the ball in the drive. She plays basketball? RB whispered. Every day, Deli groaned. They watched for a while. She plays ball like you spit, RB told her. Deli nodded. What do you do while she's playing? He asked. Tell stories. What kind of stories? Trouble tales. He just stared at her, so she started. Trouble tale 56. I parachute off the porch roof and get grounded for a month. Maybe it was because RB was there, or maybe it was because she wasn't just trouble anymore, and it was time to talk about something else. Whatever it was, Dilly couldn't go on. I'll tell a story, R.B. jumped in. R.B., story number one, our dog, Tuba. Remember, Dilly? Yep, she smiled. How'd we get Tuba, he asked her. She was running in the road, and Dallas brought her home. And he named her Tuba because she sounded like a big, loud horn, R.B. called, Oof, 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 Dilly demonstrated. RB giggled and then he began. One day, me and Cletus were at the park. Danny Novello and Tater came over to us. Want to try something fun? They asked, and we said, Yep. So they took some rope, strung it through our belt loops, and threw it over the bar that holds the swings. They pulled on the rope so we went up in the air. At first, me and Cletus were laughing because it felt like flying. Then they made us go up and down so fast our stomachs got sick. Stop, we shouted, but they wouldn't. Cletus was about to throw up when we heard, Oof, 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 tuba, I yelled. And there she was running at us with Deli behind her. Let them go, Deli hollered. Make me, Novella said. So Deli ducked her head and rammed him in the stomach with it. They dropped us then. Come on, she yelled, and we ran to the river. Delly taught us to skip stones. Tuba kept running in the water, trying to catch them, remember? Yep, Delly did. They were both grinning. The Pattinsons were so busy being happy they didn't notice Ferris Boyd waiting. She put her pad in front of them. Tuba? It read. She was old, Arby sighed. She went to sleep on Dallas's bed, Delly rasped, and she didn't wake up. Now they were all sad, but didn't it feel so bad being sad together. Ferris Boyd stared into the woods. She passed her pad to them. Another it read R. B. understood tuba tale number two. Tuba gobbles up gal's birthday cake. Delly laughed just hearing the title. Ferris Boyd went back to playing. She only stopped to ask for more. Then R.B. told and Deli listened, and she didn't mind. It was good thinking about tuba instead of trouble. It was good being together. Chapter 40 It was time to go to the woods. Where are we going, R.B. asked. To the hide oasis, Deli answered. Oh, he said, because he didn't want to seem too little to know what a hide oasis was. R.B. was last in line. In the dark of the woods, he got quiet. Delly, he gulped. He didn't say that I'm afraid part. She heard it anyway. Come on, she said, and let him pass her. She grabbed the back of his shirt so he'd know she was there. They got to the giant tree and stopped. Now what, he whispered. Delly looked at the cat and it climbed. Ferris Boyd followed it. Now you, she told him. The That's high, he stammered. I'll be behind you, she promised. So he started up. Ferris Boyd put her head over the edge, showing him where to go. Pull yourself onto the boards, Delly hollered, when he reached the top. By the time she got there, he was standing, turning around and around. Wow, he breathed. Ferris Boyd was in her corner with her book and the cat. It's a hide oasis, he sighed. Ferris Boyd's hide oasis, Deli told him. She emptied her backpack. She put the sandwiches between them. You got food, too, he sang. Delly closed the... O- The eye her friend couldn't see. Ma's trying to get me to grow, but I can't eat it all. Ferris Boyd's helping me out. The eye kept winking. You and I will split this one. R.B. couldn't wink, but he blinked five times while he said, Okay, I'm full anyway, and patted his belly like Santa Claus. They sat in a circle eating the sandwiches with R.B. humming the whole time. When they finished, Deli put on her pack. Where are you going? he asked. To get rocks. How come? So if something tries to get us, we got ammunition, she explained. She was halfway down the tree before she realized he wasn't with her. She climbed back up. He was sitting about two feet from Ferris Boyd, taking books out of his bag. R.B., come on, Deli commanded. No, thanks, he answered, smiling. Now, R.B. Pattinson never turned down a chance to tag along with Deli. How about you come with me? She tried again, with her teeth clenched. I'm staying with Ferris Boyd, he replied. Deli didn't like it, him being so close to her. She thought about dragging him down the tree, but that might set the girl off. Don't be a bug-botherer, she warned. "'I know,' he waved. "'So Deli left. "'She scoured the woods for stones. "'She hauled them in her pack, "'then piled them around the edge of the hide oasis "'like cannonballs. "'As she checked on Arby, the first trip back, "'he'd scooched a little closer to Ferris Boyd. "'But the girl wasn't fussing, so Deli let it go. "'By the next time, though, there wasn't six inches between them. "'R.B. was squinting over Ferris Boyd's book, like he might need to get next to her. "'Hey,' Deli snarled. He looked up. "'No touching,' she mouthed at him. "'I know,' he mouthed back. Delly needed only one more load of rocks, extra large ones for extra large invaders. "'I'll go fast,' she decided, and scrambled down the ladder.' It took longer than she figured. The rocks were so heavy they were pulling her down as she tried to climb the tree. Oof, she groaned as she flopped onto the hide-oasis floor. She looked up and then saw it. R.B. Pattinson had left his book and was reading Ferris Boyd's. He had his head on her shoulder and was leaning against her like he'd lived there. Holy shiky, she breathed. Ferris Boyd wasn't flipping out, though. He must have snuck up so slow so she doesn't know he's there yet, Deli thought. She had to get him off quick. Deli tried to rise, but the rocks flattened her to the floor. So she slid like a snake with boulders on its back across the floor to snag him. Just then, Ferris boy glanced up from her book. She gazed at the boy beside her. It's over, Deli gurgled, but Ferris Boyd's eyes didn't go wild. They rested on Arby's face. He looked up at her and smiled. Then they both went back to the book, and Deli didn't even whisper. What the glove? She wouldn't wreck it. Finally, she got the pack off her back. Quietly, she piled the rocks while they read. Then she sat across from them, watching the peacefulness. Chapter 41 When the whistle blew, Deli said softly, Arby, we gotta go. He crawled to the edge of the hide oasis. "'That's a long way down,' he gasped. "'I'll go first, she told him. One Pattinson, then the other, climbed on the ladder. Ferris Boyd stayed at the top of it. Deli could feel her telling them things without talking. When they got to the bottom, she was gone. That's when Deli grabbed RB by the shirt and shook him. "'Why were you touching Ferris Boyd?' she barked. "'I wasn't,' he replied. "'You were leaning against her. "'I know!' "'Touching is this. He took his finger and poked her with it. "'I didn't do that.' "'Jiminy Fipees! she growled, but she couldn't stay mad. "'He'd gotten Ferris Boyd to let somebody near her.' "'We gotta run,' she ordered. So they did. "'They were on the bridge when Deli slammed to a stop. "'Shikies,' she she howled. "'Nobody knows where you were. Clarice would be calling the police. "'We're dead,' she groaned. "'R.B. pulled up beside her. "'No, we're not. I told Ma I'd be with you,' he grinned, helping with your project. "'When'd you do that?' This morning, after I said, go ahead, Delly was impressed with his sneakiness. But now she needed to tell him he couldn't come again. She couldn't risk it. Hey, R.B. And R.B. interrupted her. Delly, he declared, I love you too. He shot it like a giant love bullet straight into her heart. It blew her heart up. It blew the words from keeping him away out of her mouth. shakys was all she could say. <laughs> then R.B. was running again. Come on, he hollered. So she did. As soon as Clarice got home, Arby told her, Ma, I'm working on Delly's project every day now. Oh, yeah? When's this project going to be done? She asked Delly. but Arby answered, Don't know. Might be a long time. That's all right with your teacher, she wondered. They both nodded because Ferris Boyd was teaching them things. And Clarice Pattinson, hearing Montana wail, Ma, the washer's bubbling over. Let it go with that.